0: The passages that have been read to us sound pretty unreasonable to our modern ears, to our modern scientific ears, don't they? I mean, an angel appearing to shepherds, verse 9. The glory of God shining. Baby Jesus born to be Savior and Lord of the world. The heavens breaking open and heavenly beings worshiping and praising God. Jesus born to a virgin. A star guiding and directing the wise men to Jesus? A lot of these things sound almost silly and unbelievable to our modern ears. So much so that we kind of dismiss these things as fables and as myths. But the question is, friends, why do we find these things silly? And why do we find these things unreasonable? I went with my children to uh, the 4D, what do you call it now? The 4D thing uh, at Sentosa today and it was like one of those 3D uh, I also don't know what you call it like, films and they give you like these spectacles to wear right i remember a few years ago that we went to one of these things in malaysia and the pair of spectacles they gave me were red in color i put on the spectacles and everybody looked red my wife looked red my children looked red the walls looked red everything looked red now were they really red not really it was because of the pair of spectacles that i put on now friends When it comes to things that we find reasonable and unreasonable, we're also putting on a pair of spectacles. These spectacles are called assumptions. We're assuming certain things about reality and the world, and as we bring those assumptions to bear upon what we encounter, we find it colored in a certain way, whether or not it is that color. Now, what are the assumptions that many people bring to the Christmas story? Well, some people bring the assumption that there is nothing more in this world than what is material. There is nothing more in this world beyond what you can taste, see, touch, hear, and smell. All that there is in this world is material. And many people bring this kind of an assumption to the Christmas story. Now, if you have that pair of spectacles on, of course, all of these things about angels and and Jesus born to be a savior, all of these things will seem ridiculous to you. Now, friends, my question is, Is that a safe pair of glasses to be wearing? Is that a safe assumption to have? Can you really assume that all that there is, is material? If you think hardly about that, if you think hard about that, you realize that that assumption in and of itself is something that you cannot prove materially. You cannot materially prove that all that there is, is material. In fact, that's just not how we live. Even if we assume that all that there is is material and there's nothing more, that just isn't the way we live. Now, I remembered a scene in a movie and I realized that I'm old because I looked up the movie and it was 1997, which is about 25 years ago. I'm going to say the name of the movie. Half of you are not going to know it, okay, because you're too young. Half of you are also not going to know it because you're too the other side. Okay, but it's the movie Contact. How many of you know the movie Contact? I see my 40 somethings raising their hands. Praise the Lord. Okay, starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. Now, this is a story premised around the possible contact between humanity and extraterrestrials. Uh, Jodie Foster was a scientist in this movie. Matthew McConaughey was some kind of a religious philosopher. And as it happens in these movies, they fall in love. But because of the different assumptions about the world and the universe, it was a very testy relationship. There's one scene... Where Jodie Foster, the scientist, presses Matthew McConaughey to prove the existence of God. Prove it to me. Prove that your God exists. Matthew McConaughey didn't say anything. He simply asked her a question. He knew that she had a very deep relationship with a deep father, with a late father who was no longer with her. And he simply asked her, do you love your father? She was surprised. What does this have anything to do with God? He repeats himself. Your dad, did you love him? She replies, yes, very much. And he says to her, prove it. Now, I don't suggest this, you know, with your girlfriend. This is probably not the best way uh, to speak on a date. But it proves a point, doesn't it? Even though we assume that this world is material, that's just not how we live. Some of the most precious things to us cannot be reduced to the merely material a grandparent's delight in a grandchild, a child's love for a parent's passion between lovers, the elation of winning the world championship, all of these things cannot simply be reduced to the material. Yes, they may be caused by the firing of synapses in our brain, but the way that we experience these things cannot be reduced to the mere firing of synapses. You see, friends, even in our human experience, even if we assume that all that there is is material, The way that we live shows that there is a yearning and a longing for something beyond just the material. So, friends, what is the Bible calling us to? It's calling us to honesty and consistency with ourselves. It's calling us to be consistent with the way that we experience the world. It's calling us to humility. It's calling us to an openness to entertain the possibility that there is another world a spiritual world where the things that we most long for reside. And if you come with those pair of glasses, that assumption, then the story of Christmas becomes much more reasonable. And friends, if you come with those assumptions, you would be in good company. Dr. Francis Collins was the former head of the Genome Project, and he just retired as the director of the National Institute of Health in the United States. Now, the scientific American once called him one of the most powerful scientists in the world. He is the father of the Genome Project. Now, Collins is a committed Christian. Collins believes in God. Collins believes in Jesus, who died and rose again. Collins believes in the Christmas story. Collins finds no conflict between science and faith, the material. And the spiritual and he once said this the God of the Bible is also the God of the genome friends the Christmas story is reasonable and for those of us who are wondering why it doesn't go deep maybe we need to be reminded of this it is entirely reasonable for us friends to come to the Christmas story and to believe in it as true but the second thing about the Christmas story is that it is believable In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now you may be saying to me, you know, Z, yeah, I'm convinced that there is another world, or I am uh, at least open to the idea that there's a world beyond the material. But why Jesus? Why can't I believe in some other form of supernatural deity? Why can't I believe in a flying spaghetti monster? And the answer is, Christmas. You see, at Christmas, God has not left us guessing. God has showed up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Christmas is a time where the supernatural and the natural collide in the coming of Jesus Christ to us. We need not guess anymore what God is like because God has shown up and shown us exactly what he is like in the person of Jesus Christ. We are not being called to believe in warlocks or wizards or fairies or elves, as wonderful as those stories might be to our imagination. We are called, friends, to believe in a historical person. The name of this person is Jesus Christ, who came on Christmas Day. You see, friends, no serious scholar doubts the existence of Jesus. The Gospels that we've been reading, we have good historical reasons to believe that these are accurate records of the life and work of Jesus Christ. And even without the Gospels, we have non-Christian sources, both Jewish and Roman, that corroborate the person of Jesus and his work. Josephus, for example, a Jewish historian, said this of Jesus. He was a wise man, if it may be lawful to call him a man. Now, this man did not believe in the deity of Jesus, but he understood something of the significance of who this man was tacitus who was known as the greatest historian of ancient rome he corroborates the fact that jesus was put to death at the hands of pontius pilate friends it's the year 2021 and whether you're a christian or not a christian plus minus a few years it is 2021 years since the birth of jesus christ Even the way we measure history and time has been influenced by this person called Jesus Christ. You know why Christianity is believable? Because you're not called to believe in some myth. This was a real historical figure who made a real change in real time and in real space. The significance of Jesus continues to reverberate all around the world. I read an interesting anecdote recently in a in an interview. Uh, The late Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, he was not a Christian, but in his later years, he practiced a form of Catholic meditation. One of his friends who was a staunch Catholic taught him uh, this spiritual discipline, and he practiced it and found some solace uh, in his later years. Now, he was asked by a reporter, like your friend who taught you meditation, would you say you are serene, you're at peace? Now, this is what he said, not as serene, as he is you see he is a devout Catholic that makes a difference he believes in Jesus he believes in the teachings of the Bible he has lost his wife it's a great calamity but the wife was serene and he was serene and this is what Mr. Lee Kuan Yew says I do not think I can achieve this level of serenity You see what he's saying? I'm finding this Catholic practice of meditation helpful. And although he does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he doesn't follow in the teachings of Jesus Christ, he recognizes that this man Jesus and his teachings make a difference. This is who we're called to believe in, friends. Not warlocks and wizards and fairies and elves, but a real historical figure who has made a real change in history. Whether you believe in him or not, you have been influenced by him in some way or other. And once again, the Bible is simply calling us to be honest with ourselves and to be consistent with how we experience the world. Jesus is a historical figure. He's at the heart of the Christmas story. And if you did find it reasonable and you did believe in him, you would be in good company. You see, friends, many people assume that the world is becoming less and less religious, but the data actually points us in the separate direction. In 2010, 31% of the world's population self-identify as Christians, and they come from every continent and the diversity of different cultures. Friends, there is no typical Christian in this world. It is not a Western religion. It is not an Eastern religion. It is a universal religion. By 2060, even with world population growth, Christianity will increase to 32% of the world's population. Now, friends, this is just the data. On the other hand, and I know some of you may be in this category, so please don't stall me. This is just the data. Let the data speak. Those who identify as unaffiliated are set to decline from 16% by 2060. So contrary to popular opinion, the world is not getting less religious, the world is getting more religious. You want to be on the right side of history? Believe in Jesus. The world is becoming more religious, not less. To believe in the Christmas story is both reasonable and believable. But finally, friends, it's beautiful. Come with me to Luke chapter 2 verse 10 to 11. The angels said to the shepherds, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, who is Christ, the Lord." Did you ever wonder why the angels came to the shepherds and say, "Fear not"? Don't fear. Well, friends, because they had every reason to fear. You see, we tend to have a romanticized idea of shepherds. But if you look at the first century data, they were known to be dishonest and unscrupulous. They were shunned. They were outcasts. They were considered hated by the society. They were the sinners. And yet, in the Christmas story, God draws near, sends his angel to reveal his heart to people like them. He doesn't choose the high or the mighty or the strong. He chooses the weak, the lowly, and the sinful. And he brings them good news that their souls need. It's the good news, friends, that even though they are great sinners, they have a great Savior who has come, verse 10, to bring them great joy. Friends, if you really want Christmas to be turned on in your hearts, you need to come to see that same beauty, that although you are a great sinner, God has sent a great Savior to bring you great joy. We sang an old carol tonight, O Holy Night. It was originally written in the French in 1843. Did you notice that in the first stanza it says this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Friends, have you felt the worth of your soul? Have you felt the worth of your soul? Friends, one of the reasons why Christmas is so beautiful is because by the coming of Jesus Christ, god has shown us the beauty and the worth of our souls spoiler alert squid game so if you're going to watch it close if you haven't watched it close your ears there's a powerful scene in the squid game where ji yang gives up her life for se byeok that scene where they're playing marbles now, this scene is so powerful that the actress who plays Sae Byuk couldn't stop sobbing even after the cameras stopped rolling. Now, you know the scene. Ji Young deliberately drops the marble and loses to Se effectively giving up her life for the other person. Se can't believe it. He, she holds Ji Young and she shakes her And she says, what do you think you're doing? And she says, I don't have anything. You have a reason to go out there, but I don't. Do you know what she's saying here? Jiang is saying, my life is worth much less than yours. You have a reason to live. I don't. So I'm giving up my life for yours. Friends, in the Christmas story, Jesus' life, Jesus' soul is worth infinitely more than your soul and my soul. And yet, God, in His infinite love, gave Jesus to you on Christmas Day. And Jesus, in His infinite love for you, dropped the marble. Giving his life for you, not because his life was worthless, but because he was willing to give what was of infinite worth to you. Friends, on Christmas Day, the soul felt its worth. Have you considered the worth of your soul to God? At Christmas, God is drawing near. And God is saying to you, though you are a sinner, I know you, I see you, I love you, and I am willing to save you, even at infinite cost to myself. Friends, it's reasonable to believe in Christmas. It's believable to believe in Christmas. But ultimately, friends, when we draw near to God, and we see the beauty of what Jesus has been sent to do has been sent for our hearts come alive. When we embrace this truth, whether for the first time, or for the millionth time, we begin to see clearly that there is indeed light after darkness, love after hatred, joy after sorrow, peace after conflict, and life after death. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your spirit would take the truth of your word and press it deep into our hearts today. For those who are struggling and in a place of despair, we pray tonight that they would experience something of the joy and the power of christmas for those who are simply skimming the surface of what it means to belong to you we pray that today would be a day that begins a journey of pressing deep into all that you are and all that you have done for us In jesus name we pray amen i'm gonna hand the time back to joel